You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Tell me his name again. With D. Flaming. Who? Back on the Pipeline Show as we continue on with our NCAA National Tournament uh, preview. We go from the Northeast Regional to the West Regional in Fargo, North Dakota. And uh, my guest to you is set up the regional games is uh, probably one of the best. Well, not probably. One of the best analysts, whether it's uh, in-studio or uh, color analyst, uh, working hockey games today. Dave Starman from the CBS Sports Network and uh, also with ESPN. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show. Dave, how are you? Oh, always good to be back with you, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing terrific. Uh, looking forward to some exciting games this weekend. And uh, we've got to start with St. Cloud State. You've got St. Cloud State taking on AIC as well as uh, Denver and Ohio State. We'll get to that matchup in a second. But you look at St. Cloud State, number one ranked team going uh, into the region, but into the uh, national tournament period. Uh, on paper, this should be a whitewash and, and not even close. But American International, you can't look past them either. It's a, in a one-game do-or-die, anything can happen. Uh, but first off, though, tell me about St. Cloud State and how they look coming in. They are really good. They're really deep. They're really active and they're really quick, and that's probably the best way to describe them. And they've got some depth now that Kevin Fitzgerald is back in the lineup and playing from an injury earlier in the season. It gives Brett Larson a lot of luxury down the middle because Fitzgerald can can play in the middle on a third line if he needed to, but he can also slot into their top six as we saw last weekend with the injury to Ryan Paling, and, and he did a great job between the Paling twins when Ryan wasn't there. And you, know, you get the the big line with Robbie Jackson. Blake Lazat and Patrick Newell, and that's a really good scoring line. All three of those guys can score. It's a tremendous puck protection line. And you know, the neat thing about that line is with the speed and skill of Lazat and Newell, and remember they're both about five, six, five, seven. With the speed and skill of those two guys and the really good puck protection skills they have, they tend to put Robbie Jackson in front of the net or near the net when they can, which creates a four on four in the offensive zone. So that gives them more space to work with. And that makes it even more dangerous. It's really fun to watch when they do it because of how effective it can be opening up lanes and seams to the net. So they've, they've got some offensive dynamic. They got what I think is, if not the best defenseman in the country, he is certainly in the team picture, and that's Jimmy Schultz. And he and John Lazat form a really formidable first pair. Uh, Lazat is really good at letting Schultz play his game and then taking care of the back end. And, and they're both really good at getting back to get pucks and getting pucks out and you know, when you when you take a look at St. Cloud, they've got a couple of different dimensions. Number one is, I think they're as good as any team in the country that I've seen, and I've seen 45 of them. Mm-hmm. I think they're as good as any team in the nation in terms of getting back and breaking pockets out. I don't care what defensive pair it is, they're really good at doing it. Whether it's the kids or the vets, it's one of their strengths. They get out of their zone really quickly, and they, and they, and they don't waste a lot of time having to chip on soft walls and chase. And that's where their skill comes in. Number two is, they're a center lane team, meaning that they create a lot of offense in the middle of the ice, they can bump off to either wing to keep defensemen honest, and they're not very predictable on the offensive side. And number three is they've just got real good skill up front, whether it be a Ryan Paling or a Robbie Jackson or a Kevin Fitzgerald or, or a Patrick Newell or a Blake Lazon. I mean, they can come at you with a really good top nine. Their fourth line's great. And to me, that is what separates them from a lot of teams that are competing for a national championship. Dave, you mentioned the injury to Ryan Paling. Uh, I, the last I saw was that he's questionable, and I know teams will be really forthcoming uh, at this time of year about injury updates. Uh, what do you know about uh, Ryan Paling? Is he going to go this weekend, do you think? Hey, here's what I can tell you. I know a lot that I can't say. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I know. Enough. But uh, but, but uh, I, I'm waiting for St. Cloud to, 
to make their announcement as to what he can do. I know he practiced this week, and, and that was that was a good thing. And I saw him a little bit in the bowels of, of the XL Center last week, the day after the injury, and he was up and moving around and, and that kind of thing. So I, I, I think that St. Cloud will give him every opportunity to play, but I mean, I couldn't tell you for sure if he is. Okay. The other side of the rink uh, has uh, AIC into the tournament, uh, and uh, first time they've ever won their conference. Um, tell me about this club and, and uh, some of the players that we should expect uh, to uh, lead the attack for the Yellow Jackets. Here's, I'll start the story this way. Their head coach played junior for me back in the mid-90s. And I remember when he tried out, and I remember we were picking that team, and we were deciding you know, on some of our bottom three guys, and all I know is I remember this discussion. Myself and my other coach said, I don't know where we're going to put them, but we're not getting rid of them. And that was Eric Lang. And that's the way he spent his career. He was always a guy that was a little bit on the fringe. He was from the Bronx, New York, which is not really known for producing many hockey players. And he just was a sponge. And it's become the MO of his coaching career. And he has paid his dues. He is a tremendous hockey guy, whether it be coaching clinics, whether it be picking the brains of other coaches, no matter what he needed to do to get ahead. And and he's a tremendous recruiter. He's a tremendous relationships guy. And he's a hell of a coach. And, He's got his team playing a lot like he played. They play, they play fast. They play hard. They, they've got a combination of size and speed and skill, which a lot of AIC teams in the past didn't have. So they're not one-dimensional where they used to be, hey, they play really hard, and they're just really hard to play against. Now they've got guys that can make plays, whether it be Pike or McBride or, or Capcheck on the back end. They've, they've really got some guys that can go. Their goaltending's been stable, and I like what they bring. I mean, they're going to run into a buzzsaw, and they're going to run into a team that is so on a mission, whose slogan is unfinished business, starting from their loss to Ferris State four years ago in the, in the national or in the regional semifinal. I mean, the seniors haven't forgotten that one yet. Hmm. And the, you combine the Air Force loss last year, and they were a bit of a mental mess last year because of the whole Moscow going to Minnesota thing starting to float the day of their game. Hmm. I, I think they're a much more focused team, and they're probably a little more deep than they were at this point last year. And They've got the perfect coach to suit their personality. So I, I, I love what AIC has done. I just They are just going to have their hands full with a team that is playing with a cause. And anytime you play against a team with a cause, I think it's trouble. Well, St. Cloud State's uh, power play is so good. Their penalty kill is pretty good as well. For AIC to have any chance, they got to keep it 5-on-5? Five five. There, there's absolutely no question. And to, to that point, you know, AIC's got a pretty good power play themselves. This, this kid Capcheck, the defenseman, he's nimble. He can move pucks around. Christensen off the left wing side can be very interchangeable with anybody else on the ice. So they, they bring you a dimension that you, you really have to be sharp in your coverage. And while St. Cloud has got speed and discipline and a really well coached, AIC has got the potential to get on the man advantage to, to strike and keep this game close. St. Cloud State is not a team that takes a ton of penalties. They're really disciplined. But my feeling is this. Here, here's my thought for this human nature. If AIC gets this game to the third period as a one-shot game or even tied, then that thought of here we go again mm-hmm. is potentially a factor. Now, I think they're mentally stronger than that, and I'm talking about St. Cloud, but it's only human nature to sit there and think, hey, we're in a game that we shouldn't be in right now. Who's going to make a big play? And that, to me, is a little bit of a subplot going into this. Dave Starman from uh, CBS Sports Network and uh, games that you'll see in the uh, tournament and on ESPN as well as we get close to the Frozen Four. He's my guest. 
Let's move to Ohio State versus Denver. And uh, for me, in all of the games on opening weekend here, this might be the one that has my interest the most. Re- two really good teams moving forward. Interesting matchup. Uh, tell me about Ohio State. I mean, they at the start of the year, we were talking about these guys. They were in the Frozen Four last year. Could very well get back there again. Uh, what's making the Buckeyes click this season? I think a couple of things. First of all, they are, they're an older team. And I love the philosophy of building a team where your seniors are going to stay. You're not necessarily going after that A-plus kid, but you're getting a lot of A's and A-minuses and B-pluses that you're making into players. So you build this real good core group that can matriculate together and create a culture. And, you know, they've been on the big stage for the last couple of years. This will be their third straight year in a tournament. It's only happened once before. And that's when J.B. Bittner, one of their assistant coaches, was a player there. Hmm. And so they've, they've got that same taste in their mouth that Minnesota Duluth had when they got all the way to the Frozen Four and lost to Denver. It's We've been there. We understand it. We were really close. We let it get away. And like I talked about St. Cloud being on a mission and having a cause, this Ohio State group is in that same boat. And I think one of the things that's got them there is they've got a couple of defensemen that can really pop the puck up ice pretty quick. And they've got some forwards that can make plays. Tanner Lezinski was on that World Junior team a couple years ago that won a gold medal. He has been a really serviceable player. Sasha LaRock on the back end has been a monster for them. And, and what Sasha can do real well, much like I just talked about Jimmy Schultz, he's another guy that can go back, get a puck, move it up ice. He can either distribute it and get it back, or he can hold to try to make a play. Ohio State's a little bit more of a wide lane team where they'll get a double drive to the net and they'll get their trailers involved. Matt Miller's been a, been a good defensive form in that respect. And they're disciplined, and that's one thing that Steve Rollick has wanted. You know, they're, they're, their penalty killing is clicking at the right time. They're not taking the penalties like, like they had in the early part of the season. For them, I think their concern right now is their power play. They're, they're getting some looks, but they're not getting the finish. It's been streaky for them, and I think that that is an area where getting into this situation where it's a one-off, they need to make sure that that clicks because when it does, they become a much different team. Well, on the other side is uh, the Denver Pioneers. And, you, boy, the first thing that jumps out at me is the power play, how bad it's been. Only 15.5% uh, with the pa- the amount advantage for the Pioneers. How is it that bad? That's a pretty good lineup. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you one thought on why their power play. And I don't like to use the word bad. It's just not been scoring. And one of the reasons is, look at the conference they're playing it. I mean, you're playing against teams on a consistent basis whose power plays are really, really good. I'm sorry, those penalty kills are really good. So, so that could be one factor. They, they don't, they don't necessarily have the dimension that they had last year where you could put Dylan Gambrell, Troy Terry, and Henrik Borkstrom on the ice together. Mm-hmm. Or two years ago when, when Will Butcher was quarterback in the power. I mean, they, they, they have lost some key components, but when you take a look at some of the talent they have, Ian Mitchell played for Team Canada at the World Junior Tournament. I think the world of Ian Mitchell as a player. He is, he is a really good playmaker. He's a really good distributor. And he's a legit power play quarterback. I, I think one of the things where Denver's run into is they have just not gotten a lot of pucks in the net, and they're a little undersized up front. So, so there are times where you get into those net front battles or those one-on-one battles on the wall when even they get numbers on the puck. Some of the bigger defense cores in the NCHC have been able to, to, to outmuscle some of their smaller forwards. I, I think that this is not a power play to take lightly. And the other part of it is this. They're now going up against a team who has not played against their power play. You can watch it all you want but to play against it and figure out the nuances of what your opponent wants to do live and on the ice, it creates a little bit of a different dynamic. So for me, I think if Denver gets some early power play opportunities 
and, and gets a good feel, it may change the luck of their power play because they have been getting looks. They're just not scoring. Uh, that's a good point. Tell me about the goaltending matchup between these two clubs. Uh, who's the, is there an advantage one way or the other? It's really unique because both Ohio State and Denver have used all four goalies. Yeah. And, and with success, Romeo got him into the Frozen Four last year, and and has been has been good, and and the other kids are playing well too. And when you look at Denver, you know Larson and Cooley have have both been solid at different times. Larson has taken the net more recently, and you know Larson's a guy that he's fun to watch. He's smooth, and he's got a great lateral release. He covers the crease well. He hits his marks. He can handle a puck when it gets dumped in to break a four check, and he can move it to a D. I, I think that he's just—he's a really cool customer who does not let a lot of rebounds go, and he's extremely competitive on the puck. I, I'm looking forward to seeing him in, in this kind of big setting because I like what he has done through the last half of the year, coming off an injury early on. Dave Starman from CBS Sports Network, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. All right, Dave, that's the uh, the uh, Western Regional in Fargo. Uh, we're going to end it with a, a prediction, and that's uh, going back to 2006. One of the number one seeds going into the regionals has lost out every year in the first round. Actually, it happened two teams last year uh, with uh, St. Cloud, and uh, now I'm forgetting the other first uh, seed, number one seed that went down last year. But if it were to happen this year, the number one seeds uh, going in, St. Cloud State, uh, Massachusetts, Minnesota State, and uh, Minnesota Duluth, is there uh, a team that you think could stumble in the first round this year if it were to happen again? Let's let's set this up for the audience this way. Unlike the men's basketball tournament, where the one seed is playing the 16 seed, which could be the 64th seed overall, right? In, in in the big dance, it's not like that in college hockey. The one plays the four, and a lot of times those fours might be three or four wins behind where the one was, or might have had a hiccup early but came on late, or had to win their conference tournament to get in. Those fours are not pushovers by any means. So I don't think. Anytime a four beats a one, yeah, it's an upset. And last year with Air Force beating St. Cloud, big upset. Or Holy Cross beating Minnesota, big upset. Yeah. But they're not as big as you think they are because those teams are closer. That being said, I think going back to a couple of years ago when Providence won the national title, they got Miami. Miami was a one, having won the NCHC. Providence came in as a four. The game was played in Providence in front of a crazy Providence crowd. And Providence used that to win one of the wildest games I have ever watched in the 16 years I've been doing this. So if anybody is really walking into the line now, it's Minnesota State. And just for the dynamic of playing as a one seed against a team playing with house money right now in their own home city, I think Minnesota State's the team that could have their hands full in a 1-4 a matchup. Excellent. And going back to your basketball analogy for the uh, the big NCAA basketball tournament, this for hockey, it's, it's much like just starting at the Sweet 16, isn't it? And that's exactly what I keep telling people. It's, everybody says, oh, I got a four beat a one. You know, how could that possibly happen? Maybe that one was overrated. And, I, and like we talked about, I mean, there could be four wins separating a one and a four on any given regional. And, and the parity in college hockey is there. And the way different programs have built their programs, it's you could have won it with a one seed. I mean, for example, let's say Michigan's a one seed. Mm-hmm. Michigan's always got a young team, right? I mean, they look at 18, 19-year-olds. A lot of high-end kids, but there's not a lot of veteran leadership because most of the veterans, if they're really good, are gone. Yeah. So you look at a young team that could be a one. They could run into a Minnesota Duluth as a four who's got a bunch of 23, 24-year-olds who understand how to play, got sophistication, 
got savvy, bigger, older, stronger, faster than men, and all of a sudden a bunch of kids run into this men's team and they lose. And it's not that unpredictable based on the dynamic of 18- to 19-year-olds playing against 22-, 23-, 24-year-olds. So that's where sometimes that 4-1 upset thing can be a little misleading when you look at a big picture with all the dynamics factored in. Dave, great stuff as always. Uh, looking forward to the games this weekend. Maybe we'll chat before the Frozen Four. Would love to. Thanks for having me on and talking college hockey as always. There you go. He's the best. Dave Starman from CBS Sports Network and uh, ESPN as well. You always hear him, see, see him, see and hear him on uh, the NHL Network at World Junior Time as well, doing all the uh, USA games. Anyway, that was the uh, West Regional, my picks, and I have put them out on Twitter now. I said that I would, and I did. I signed up uh, for both the College Hockey News and the USCHO uh, Bracket Challenge. Uh, my West Regional, St. Cloud and AIC, I took St. Cloud. Uh, between Denver and Ohio State, I'm taking the Pioneers in a uh, somewhat, maybe a, a mild upset. Uh, with St. Cloud and Denver facing off the all-NCHC uh, final in that regional, I do have the Huskies moving on. As much as I would like to vote for Ian Mitchell, the Callahoo kid, I think the Huskies are pretty darn good this year and deserving of that number one ranking. So I'm going with the Huskies to get to the Frozen Four, where they'll take on UMass. The next regional on the show to preview is the East Regional. That features Minnesota State and Providence. Cornell against Northeastern. Jimmy Connolly from USCHO coming up next here on the Pipeline Show. Into the corner, Gutman gives it back. Solo shoots, scores! Zach Solo with a dart. Power play goal. Thanks back to the lead. This is Zach Solo of the Dubuque Fighting Saints, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. The Saints are back in the AJHL North Division Finals, taking on their Highway 16 rival, the Sherwood Park Crusaders. The series will shift to Spruce Grove on Monday and Tuesday for games 3 and 4 at 7 o'clock down at the Grant Fear Arena. As always, pick up your tickets at the Saints box office on game day or anytime at www.tickets.sprucegrovesaints.ca.